Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. Today is March 8th, 2023. And happy birthday to Gail Mitchell, my, my eldest sister. Yes, absolutely. Happy birthday. But this is Ben and Barry on football. What's going on out there? Happy birthday, sis. This is Ben Dickerson. I'm your co-host. It's the off season. I keep saying it because you know me. I love NFL football, and I'm looking forward to games. I'm even going on the network and watching the old games from 2021 that they're showing. But that's besides the point. Right now, Combine just finished. Free agency is popping. The official free agency date is coming up. I believe it's the 15th. Uh, but some moves have already been made. And uh, let's get this thing going, man. So you're fulfilling your Jones by going back and looking at some old tape and stuff, eh? Yeah, if they're interesting games, yes. <laughs> well, we still have the XFL we'll talk about. The USFL we'll talk about. Um, I fulfilled some of my Jones. Uh, played a, a Madden, one of those, um, a season, right, where you go into the season and you're playing uh, and uh, went undefeated, beat, won the championship. Beat the Chiefs, too. <laughs> that wasn't easy, but it happened. So I, I get to, I get, to uh, get get that in a little bit, but I, I am watching some of the other stuff. And the news is just popping. This is actually a year-round industry. So let's kick this thing off, Ben, with some signings. All right, Ben, so the first signing I want to take a look at, I think, is near and dear to your heart. We might as well go straight there as it is. And we are talking about your New York football giants. <laughs> you going to do that one first, huh? Why not? Why not? Why not? You know? Um, so Danny Dimes gets a four-year, $160 million contract. And from what I understand... Um, he's got some incentives in order to get the full max deal and potentially even more, but he's got some incentives built in there. And it sounds like a contract that he could live with and uh, that the team could live with. But apparently what happened was they put the non-exclusive franchise tag on one Mr. Saquon Barkley. So what do you think about what's going on with the squad? Well, uh, this situation, besides the money, the situation itself as far as trying to sign Jones and putting a tag on Saquon was already predicted. Uh, the amount of money and the amount of years that Jones was supposed to get was a bit of a controversial subject uh, on television with the talking heads as well as between Giants fans like me and some friends of mine. And also, you know, you live in Philadelphia, so Eagle fans always want to weigh in on other teams instead of worrying about their own team. That's okay. It's cool. I weigh in on other teams, but we kind of do it because it's our show. Uh, however, I would have rather – this is me being you now talking about what the Niners should do. What the <laughs> Giants should have done as far as I was concerned I didn't have a problem with them paying him 40 million plus if they only did it for two years. 
they were under the impression that they needed to sign him to a long-term contract. A long-term contract in the NFL is four years or more. So they signed him to the four-year long-term contract, okay? And uh, what does that come out to per year? It's in the 40s. It's in, this, it's in the low 40s, like 40, 41, something like yeah. that. Right. But to get the maximum amount out of the contract, there's like 35 million in built-in incentives, which I think was very smart on the Giants' part. Um, I, I can live with this contract. I really have no problem with it. The jump that this guy made between 2021 and this past season, I thought was tremendous. Almost, but not quite as tremendous as Jalen Hurts' jump. You know, you talk to people and they act like Jalen Hurts came out of college playing the way that he played this past season. He didn't. He made a tremendous jump between 21 and 22 season. And so did Daniel Jones. Not only did he throw for a number of touchdowns, he ran the ball very well. Almost broke a thousand. Well, I don't want to say he almost got a thousand yards. He had seven hundred something yards rushing. He also had five rushing touchdowns. And the biggest deal was he only threw five interceptions, which is what people were beating him over the head about was his turnovers. So he cut them down tremendously. I give a lot of credit to the new head coach, but let's face it, Daniel Jones did a lot of work in the off season, and it has paid off. And now they're going to pay. There are other people out there, and we're going to go over some other quarterback signings, and people will say the same thing about some of these other guys. But there are people out there that will say they wouldn't give him that kind of money. They would rather draft one of these new young guys coming out, get him on a rookie contract, and work with him for three years. Dayball doesn't want to throw away the work that he put in on Daniel Jones, nor does he want to poo-poo the work that Daniel Jones did himself. I don't blame them for doing this. I think it's a good deal. I like it. Now, oh, sorry. Yeah, I like it. I almost forgot about Saquon. They threw me a little bit when they put the non-exclusive tag on Saquon. That, to me, is a bit of a gamble. But, and we'll talk about this exclusive and non-exclusive thing as it goes along with some other players. But I don't think there's going to be a lot of movement for veteran running backs. There's a couple of others that are going to be out there, namely one Derrick Henry. Okay. But uh, I don't think anybody's going to offer Saquon any money that the Giants can't, can't match. In fact, he may not even get an offer sheet, in which case they get him at 32. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 32 is for quarterbacks. I believe the cap for running backs is somewhere around ten million. Yeah, it's ten. So they'll actually they'll actually save some money for one more year, and they have a whole year to work out a contract for him. So all in all, I see the Giants did well. Keeping both players was very very important to them, and they pulled it off. The interesting thing about Daniel Jones' contract. Because you were saying four years is like a long-term thing. Right. But year th uh, three, 2025, and year four, 2026, the guaranteed salary is zero. Mm -hmm. The cap number 
2023, their cap hit, or no, excuse me, let's go the dead money. That's what I wanted to say, because that's where it gets really difficult to trade them or get rid of them. So the first year debt money is 82 million. Okay. 2024 drops to 63 million. 2025 and 2026, it drops to 18 and then nine. So they don't get much of a dead money hit in the right. second, in the third and fourth year if they decide to trade them. They have no guaranteed salary. And so, yeah, he can make, you know, his base salary goes up from 9.5 and then 2024, 35.5, 2025, 30. 2026, 46. But like you said, it's incentive laden and they look like they can walk away from this thing after year two. And pretty team not, friendly deal. Yeah, yeah. It and like, it's a big raise for him. Right. And he gets an opportunity to do what it is that everybody wants, and that's to earn more. He can earn that other 35 million incentives. He's still young, he's still getting better. It's all good. I, I think it's a great, great contract for both parties. Okay, Benny, let's take a look at a couple of the big signings that happened uh, and within basically the past week. Okay, Benny, so right in the division with my beloved 49ers, we had a signing. A Seahawks agreed to a three-year, $105 million contract with Geno Smith. So uh, they like Geno, but... You know, Dino played himself into a, into a contract, man, and so you got to you got to give him kudos for that. You know, um, absolutely, they a highly ranked offense. They were one of the um, ranking differential teams, I do believe, where the offense was high and the defense was not was on the a lower quartile side. Am I correct about that? That would be correct. However, Gino led the offense to playoff to playoff spot. Even though, even though the defense was ranked uh, pretty low, cons con 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 uh, I'm sorry, pretty low, considering how high the offense was ranked, Gino and the offense were able to carry them into the playoffs. That's what I meant to say. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and and so they they got they he got the contract, he got the bag, as they say. So congratulations. To Gino, and they got a lot of rookies on that team. So they, I think, I don't know what their cap space situation is, but I think this could probably help them. And then Derek Carr gets a four-year, one hundred and fifty million dollar contract with a hundred million in total guarantees. But now, so he's no longer in the running for the Jets, the uh, Seahawks. Uh, quarterback situation is resolved. Um, Aaron Rodgers has come from the darkness, but he still has not answered the question, but I understand that he's been given permission to go and talk to the Jets um, about uh, what they would want to do. Um, he was scheduled to make close to 60 million this year uh, with the, with, <laughs> I still, to me, I still think it's hilarious. It's like, yeah, I can make $60 million. I don't know. <laughs> I just think that's hilarious. But in any event, those are two of the big signings uh, that happened so far. So you have anything on those two? First of all, kudos to Gino. 
Gino is no longer a spring chicken. He's getting up there. He's a veteran right now. This three-year deal will probably be his last really big contract. And believe me, he has earned it. He had a career year this past season. Uh, going into the season, there actually, if you remember, was supposed to be a quarterback battle between him and Drew Locke. It was short-lived, but in fact, there was a competition in training camp. Gino won the competition and then proceeded to have a career year and get his team into the playoffs. So that was a well-earned contract by Gino. Now, this Derek Carr thing had me in a bit of a tizzy. I kind of like Derek Carr. He's not an elite quarterback, but he's a pretty good one, okay? And I felt that Derek Carr was the perfect fit for the New York Jets. However, perfect fit, a perfect fit. Why do you say a perfect fit? I say a perfect fit because he's still got a little bit of youth about him, but he's been around long enough to be considered a veteran. So he gives a young team a veteran presence. On top of that, most of their top skill position players are very young. Derek Carr is a perfect mentor type of guy. Derek Carr is a team player through and through. If you remember the stuff that the Raiders went through the year before last with the guy crashing up his car and killing somebody and the John Gruden mess and all that, Derek Carr was the guy that got up in front of the cameras every week and kept things cool for that Raiders team. He's a good team guy that would be a very good veteran leader at a vet at a leadership position being quarterback for a nice young skills position team like the New York Jets that pretty much have a top flight defense and simply need somebody to direct that offense. These guys are not far. People are thinking, you know, well, I don't know if you can get the Jets. The Jets are not far away from being really good. Okay. Basically with no quarterback at all. If you, if you take into consideration the little bit of promise that Mike White showed and basically the zero promise that Zach Wilson showed, didn't they lose a game to get into the playoffs by like three points or something? They were in a game. It was I forget who the heck they were playing. It was 3-3 down to the final. Somebody ran a kickback or something. Somebody, you know what I mean? They were in it. With basically no good quarterback play at all. Derek Carr is pretty good, man. And he can mentor those young receivers. And he's got a beast of a running back if he had, if he had taken that job. However, I don't blame him for moving on because they made it pretty clear they were going to hang around and wait for Aaron Rodgers. This is the second time this has happened. Denver Broncos did the same thing. They got Nathaniel Hackett who's supposed to be Aaron Rodgers' you know, main guy. Then he sat around and wait for him, and he said, ah, nah, I ain't going there. So if it happens to the Jets, too, guess what? I won't feel sorry for him. won't feel sorry for him at all. On top of that, if he says yes, and by the way, they did go talk to him. Their whole front office got on a plane and flew to California to meet with him uh, over the weekend. So we haven't heard anything about what happened after that. Obviously, he didn't sign yet, 
but they did talk. They may still be talking. I don't know. Okay. But if in fact he does sign and go to the Jets, the first thing I'm going to wonder is, is he going to show up for camp one time? Is he going to be willing to work and put in the kind of work that's necessary with those young receivers? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, that is the question. Um, and the interesting thing is, you know, when you think about Derek Carr versus Aaron Rodgers, you can say, well, there's a gap in, you know, the quarterback level. But right. the baggage that Aaron Rodgers brings along with him, the attitude, I don't know if that makes up for it, to be quite honest with you. I you know, agree. so it, it's, you know, it, it'll be interesting. You know, both I think both you and I pretty much gotten to the point where we're like, okay, enough of this. Yeah, guy. pretty much. You know, um, like I said to you, you know, somebody going Somebody agrees to pay you sixty million, and you you go hemming and hawing about it like I don't know, you know. It's like right been there all these years. You know, you in the last few years of your of your football career, you know. So now all of a sudden you want to, you know, talk about going someplace else. When when Brett Favre did it, it was whack, <laughs> you know. Right. So you know why you want to do something? You can follow his footsteps and be wacky. I wouldn't be surprised, but. You know, I don't know if the Jets need all of that nonsense. The Jets, like you said, they did a lot with a, with very little quarterbacking play. You get give them some solid quarterbacking play, and and I like to remind people. You know, I know it seemed like it maybe didn't work out that way in the Super Bowl, where you know the elite quarterback. Because so, I keep hearing, especially in the media, and it's a couple of the ladies are like, "You must have an elite quarterback to win the Super Bowl." You know, you must have a and I'm like, didn't you guys see the Niners? They went to this, you know, the NFC Championship with much less than, than an elite quarterback, you know. So, it, you know, depends on your team concept so much, you know. So, yeah, you know, you get solid play, you know, and you help him improve his mistakes, you know, turnovers like Danny Dimes did. And the next thing you know, you're in the playoffs and you got a shot, you know, you got a shot. Right. So, um. Okay, so <laughs> the other big quarterback news is Mr. Lamar Jackson. The Ravens, we talked about the Ravens possibly preparing to move on. Well, hey, they placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson, all right? So it, it allows them, and I like that they put a little bit of an explanation here, you know, it uh, allows Jackson to negotiate with other teams in free agency. The tag is only going to pay him $32.4 million um, as opposed to the uh, exclusive tag, which would have put him in the 40s. Um, but 45. whatever. Huh? 45. Okay, 45. And then whatever offer she he agrees to, the Ravens will have a right to match it. Or receive two first-round draft picks as compensation. So that's the situation that Lamar is in now. They've, they've put it out in the open market. Um, he still doesn't have an agent. Uh, you know, it, it's, it gets to a point where I don't, you know, it's, I think, diminishing returns. There's another thing that here, if you bear with me a second, yeah, there's another thing that uh, came out, and it's being reported here that these teams will not be pursuing a deal for Lamar Jackson. That's the Falcons, Dolphins, Panthers, Commanders, and Raiders. 
not too many many more quarterback needy teams around. Uh, I don't see my Niners on there, <laughs> but I don't think they're trying to get into. You know, I don't think the league liked that contract that Deshaun Watson got. He's actually renegotiating now to kind of create some cap space for the team. Um, but Lamar seems focused on that. And it, it was reported that he turned down what looked like a pretty decent contract. Well, there seems to be a little controversy about what the Ravens are reporting as far as what they said and what he said. And what he actually said, he's already called them liars a couple of times when some stories came about out about what the Ravens supposedly offered him and what he supposedly turned down and what he supposedly wanted. So uh, well, this, this is what this is what was reported. And you can see I pulled it right off. The news, NFL Live reported, Lamar Jackson at this point says future remain uncertain. He turned a five-year, $250 million deal with $133 million guarantee. He turned that down. So that's right. more than Danny got. That's more than Derek Carr got, right? So $250 million total with $133 million guaranteed, right? Yeah. That's more All total. Right. Now, five years is what, 25 mil a year on average? But he got 133 million of that guaranteed. Uh, 70 would take us up to 200. I wouldn't sign that either. You wouldn't have signed that? Him, if I'm him, I wouldn't sign that. Okay. First of all, all right. first, first of all, if I'm him, I got to be making 40 million plus a year on principle. Second of all, it's obvious that somebody he thinks he's better than got a completely guaranteed contract. And him being the type of quarterback that he is, 133 million of 255 of 250 million guaranteed ain't good enough. If you don't guarantee me every penny, you got to do better than 133 million. I don't blame you. I wouldn't sign that either. Well, we're going to see how that all works out because, um, as you can see, there's a number of teams that basically said, we're, we're not going to pursue Lamar. Right. Now, when you talk about teams coming out and saying, we're not going to pursue this guy, who did, did, did the media ask these teams? Did they make an official statement? This was reported by Mr. Yates. Okay. So, so. When teams, when you get a list of teams that obviously need quarterbacks, each and every single one of them teams, except maybe Miami, who's got a quarterback that's still able to play, even though his brain's scrambled, okay? If they all come out basically unprovoked because they don't have to say anything and say, we are not even going to try to get Lamar Jackson. We're not interested in Lamar Jackson. Okay. There's a quarterback of his magnitude out there. You're not even going to make an attempt to make an offer for him. Why are you doing that? First of all, you know how these teams lie. They do the same thing about the draft. Oh, we're not, we're not going to, you know. And then next thing you know, they're making some bombastic trade 
to trade up to get the number one spot so they can pick the quarterback. These teams like, or the Deshaun Watson, Cleveland Browns thing has these other owners so messed up that that dreaded word collusion starts to get bandied about. And teams are coming out saying, we're not interested, we're not interested, we're not interested to try to help the Ravens get themselves in a better position to get him to sign. <laughs> it's 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 one of those things. Well, a number of the uh, the owners came out at point of signature, and I'll highlight the Ravens owners specifically saying they did not like that signing. Right. No, but none of them did. So you know, I, I don't know if you could say collusion here. I mean, because. They they did they already rejected the signing a while back, pretty much on principle. And I I thought it was a dumb signing. I didn't think it was that smart. Well, and so you're talking I, about Deshaun Watson. I'm talking about Deshaun Watson. Yeah, right. But for them to come out and say they're not interested in Lamar Jackson because they feel like he's going to hold their feet to the fire and try to get the same thing that Deshaun got is like them saying we're all being blamed for what Cleveland did. The Cleveland thing was an anomaly. Forget them. We're all of the, the other 31 teams are going to stick together and not let this thing get out of hand. That's collusion. Uh, I don't know if that's yeah. collusion or not. Yeah, it is. That, that, that could be a common mindset, but I don't know if it's collusion per se. Okay. Yeah, that's a very legal term that you're using. However, the bottom line is this. Um, at this particular point, he is out there, he's available, and we haven't heard anything from anybody who is pursuing him. So, well, that's yet to be seen. And then how far will they go? Because and if it, they don't, the Ravens get him for 32 instead of 45. They save money, and they can still continue to work on trying to sign him long term. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not necessarily and if he has over to, if, And he doesn't have to play, he could sit out. Now, if he doesn't, you know, when you get franchise tag, you have to sign something. If he refuses to sign, then he don't get net. He gets zero. Now, <laughs> now, now he's on the hot seat. The team's not on the hot seat no more. He's on the hot seat now. Yeah, yeah. And if he has to play for $32 million, he's not going to be happy. I, I, I don't know, man. I think they made a mistake. They made a mistake the way they handled this. The, where we're at now is the Ravens' fault. But it, it's, it's not looking good for Lamar. It's, it's really not. Uh, you know, I, I don't agree that it's a 100% the Ravens' fault. I think this was a confluence of poor management. I don't think Lamar should be representing himself. Um, I think these other guys that got these big contracts, many of them had agents. You know, they all, for the most part, they all had agents. And these guys. I'm not are, going to say that can't be part you know, of the problem. That could be so, part of the you know, problem. There's some yeah. things that an agent would have said to him or would have advised him 
that possibly his mother did not. And, you know, it's kind of like um, with the attorneys. I, I know we have a saying in, in Legal Shield, you know, a good attorney knows the law, but a great attorney knows the judge. So you, you get into these, you know, situations with these agents, they're pretty much attorneys in most cases, and they know the owners, you know, and they've got relationships yep. built and, you know, and so they're, they're dealings. And again, if Lamar's pegging himself to Deshaun and, and he's rock solid with that, he might just be out of football, <laughs> you know, he might just be out. So the reason I'm saying it's the Ravens fault is because when he had his MVP season in 2019, that's when they should have worked on a new contract. Three years ago, if they had gave him a new contract three years ago, we wouldn't even be talking about Lamar. Okay, well, you say it's a you say it's a, a mistake. You know that's what that's they chose to do. So we shall see how this all works out. Um, let's move on to the NFL Combine. Um, the NFL 2023 Combine is coming gone. Um, did you get a chance to take a look at it? Anything stuck out to you there? I saw some stuff. Well, stuck you, out? Yeah, you know, what would you, what, you know, anything you want to comment on particularly? I have some names uh, that, that I, um, that stuck out to me and I did a little bit of research and, and kind of pulled up some information on them. Well, it's a pretty popular thing to look at the 40 times. There were some pretty good 40 times, mostly by DBs and, and wide receivers, which is probably what you expect. Um, there are several guys that the media is really hyping as far as um, enhancing their draft stock because of how well they did at the combine. Uh, one of those guys is the quarterback out of Florida, Anthony Richardson, but uh, I agree with a couple of people I heard on television. I think they're kind of overhyping this guy. Yeah, he did run really fast. Yeah, he had a tremendous four, standing, four, three. He had a tremendous standing broad jump. He had a tremendous Ten, vertical, nine. vertical leap was tremendous. 40 and a half. 40 and a half is, is freaking phenomenal. Okay, this guy could dunk easy. He can he could do a Vince Carter if he has a forty inch vertical. He can stick his arm in the hoop. Trust me. Okay, but he did throw the ball very well when it was his opportunity to get some throws in. I got to give him that credit. However, when you look at film of Anthony Richardson. He doesn't look that good. When we're we're talking about number possible number one picks, we're talking about possible first round picks. Some people are saying this guy's going to be a top ten pick. I don't know. I don't know. There's some 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 of these guys, Kuiper and those guys, they're hyping this guy to maybe right be right behind Bryce Young and be the second quarterback taken, at least the third quarterback taken. I'm not so sure about that. This guy had like a, 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 I don't know what his passing percentage was in college, but it wasn't very high. It was kind of, it was like in the low 60s. I don't know that he reads defenses that well, although it was said he did well in the meetings with the coaches on the whiteboard 
talking about plays and all that. But when he gets on the field, that's the problem, okay? His tape is not that good. Yes, well, he's a great athlete, but his tape is not that good. His decision-making is not that good. Those the uh, the the combine results that you mentioned. I uh, just want to put them in the context that this is this guy is six four, weighing two forty four, running a four four three. <laughs> so that's that's up there with your boy Josh Allen type of athleticism. And uh, so the question is, where would he go where he can grow, you know, to the next levels? Um, that that's the question. So he he was one of them. I think out of the quarterbacks, you know, the one who struck me the most was C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Great uh, job. They gave him an A grade. Uh, PFF gave him an A grade. Um, he didn't run the 40. But what I will say is that when I – the feeling I got from the ball from the, when he threw it was the kind of feeling I get when Mahomes throws the ball, that the, the ball gets there, but he doesn't look like he's throwing it real hard. It's a mm. very smooth-looking pass. It still catchable. looks catchable. Very catchable. You know? And yes. I, like, I like what he said. He said he calls himself a, a ball placement specialist. You know, uh, he's a I love that. that. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> so just watching footwork and, and, his, and the passing, and there's no, no pass that he can't throw. He can go deep, he can go out, he can go in, shorts, all, the whole bit. Um, he was the one that sort of really stuck out to me relative to uh, quarterbacks. Now, I mentioned uh, you, uh, you mentioned wide receivers. Uh, Quentin Johnson out of TCU got an A grade. Um, he's, let's say, they, he's one of the few who brings size and explosiveness at the combine at 6'3", 208, jumping again, 40 and a half vertical, 11 uh, foot, two broad jump. Um, and I saw him do a one-handed catch at the sideline where he was doing his best to toe tap. I think he got one toe out actually, mm -hmm. but it was a very impressive catch. Um, you know, I still wonder sometimes why they don't have the, the, the machine that throws the ball. Just <laughs> you'll get a consistent pass. Some of those uh, passes, those guys had to, you know, go for They weren't, you know, weren't close, but in any of that. It's going to be in the game. That might be true. That might be true. But, you know, what you're trying to do is you're trying to, um, you know, see you're running drill. So, you know, you want to get through that drill and, and you want everybody to have an equal shot. That's the only thing I think about that. Also, um, cornerback Christian Gonzalez out of um, Oregon also got an A grade. Um, 6'1", 197, 32-inch arms. They say he ran a 4'3", a 41 and a half inch vertical and 11 uh, foot one inch broad jump. So one of my favorite DBs going to be in the draft. Who's when that? When we have our draft show, his name will be mentioned early. And who would that be? You going to to the draft show? Gonzalez, I'm talking about. Oh, oh, you're talking about Gonzalez. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Awesome, awesome. 
Awesome. Um, we have an edge rusher, uh, Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. 6'5", 272, ran a 4'5", He had a 1.64 uh, 10-yard uh, split, a 31-inch vertical, and a 9-foot, 10-inch broad jump. Okay. Uh, he had a 7-second uh, three-cone drill. And, I mean, what they're saying is that his numbers are tracking toward Trayvon Walker's numbers from last year. So Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa got an A-minus grade out of uh, pro football focus. Uh, the next person that I saw, Benny, uh, was – let me stop this here. Um, Penn State, Joey Porter Jr., right? Yes. Got an A grade, 34-inch arms, uh, threw up an impressive 17 reps on the bench, um, ran an official 4-4-6-40, 35-inch vertical, 10-9 broad. So he really helped himself. And I saw him posing with his dad. Um, at at the uh, combine, did you get a chance to see his his performance? Yes, there was a little concern about Joey Porter Jr. as far as um, him being able to cover like a man to man, and uh, there's no doubt that those 34 inch arms will help him. Um, 17 reps at 225 is nothing to sneeze at especially for a DB guy that's not that big. Uh, two, 225 is is anybody that goes to the gym and, and, and does bench press. Those 225 is nothing you just get on there and just do. Okay. <laughs> You'll see some of these big linemen. There was a couple of linemen knocked out like 30-something reps. That's not every day. Okay. I'm sure if you look at all the offensive and defensive linemen, and the reps that they did, you'll find some that did less than 17. I bet you. So that's that's a pretty good stat. And it's funny, <laughs> some of these media types, especially when, when they were talking about Anthony Richardson again, they're talking about, oh, he had this great standing broad jump. And it's great. When's he ever going to do a standing broad jump in a game? And they're like poo-pooing, you know, some of the things that these guys did. And they're calling it the underwear Olympics and all that stuff. This is my thing. If he can stand in one spot and freaking jump that far, that tells me something about his athleticism. It may not necessarily compute exactly on the field, but there's something that he's going to be able to do that's going to be a little out of the ordinary because he possesses that type of strength in his legs and athleticism. And, and they, they were just, they, they were laughing. They, they were acting like it was no big, ah, so what, you know, I'm like, dude, mm -mm. that's real. That's okay. real. These vertical jumps, that's real. <laughs> okay. 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 Well, my, my next person that I have, uh, <laughs> Ben, you go out on the field, you're a receiver, right? 
Mm-hmm. Quarterback comes up to cover you. Right. He's 6'5. <laughs> what? He's 6'5, 197, right? He runs a 4'3, 540. There's a 42 inch vertical and a four inch broad jump. Deontay Banks out of Maryland, cornerback. Oh, right. Maryland had two dudes that ran really fast. I remember hearing that. I couldn't remember their names. 6'5 corner. 6'5 running a 4'3'5. The last really good, really tall corner that I can remember off the top of my head was Bobby Taylor. Played for the Eagles back in the day. Mm, okay. They, they, they drafted Bobby Taylor specifically to cover Michael Irvin. Okay, right, right, right. Okay. Michael Irvin was crushing corners. Crushing. <laughs> he was tired. killing them. Yeah. <laughs> the Eagles was like, nah, we can't have this. Ah. So they brought him by. And I think Bobby Taylor was like 6'4". 6'5", six, four. Six, six, four. that fast? Dude, I'm gonna. I I gotta. I gotta. Jeez. If they have a pro day, I'm gonna have to go back and look at his uh, his back pedal and see how smooth his hips are. Because sometimes when you're really tall as a corner, your change of direction skills might get a little slowed down. So I'm gonna have to look at that. Did Pro Football Focus give him a high grade? Yeah, they gave him an A. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and look at the DBs and see what he looked like, because uh, I mean obviously he's fast. I don't need to see him run a forty, but I do need to see how he moves. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, anyway, um, if you go to Ben and Barry on football, click on the link. It'll take you to the um, the page NFL or the PFF page, which has all that information. All right, because um, what I wanted to say was we have the uh, page on the NFL site to take you to all the combine results. So if you want to go there and find out who did what by position, uh, they actually have that. It's a pretty nice little piece there. Okay. So, Benny, the USFL is about to kick off. Uh, this was posted one day ago, and it said 40 days and 40 nights before mm-hmm. the USFL kicks off. And I just wanted to mention that I did put the uh, USFL's link here. Interesting uh, piece that I saw in the article talking about how much they're paying these guys. And the USFL went union, I don't, you know, and apparently it really did pump up their benefits, pumped up their uh, salary, and, and they based their salary off of uh, the XFL. So the XFL apparently was paying like $5,000 a week or something like that. It, it was more than the USFL was getting the year before. Right. So now the USFL is like 5,300. Okay. So they they bumped it up a little bit more and again some facilities upgrades, you know, some I think I even saw 401k in there somewhere a little bit. But How many teams are there in the USFL? 
Is that it right there? Two, four, six. One, two, two three, four, five, four, six, six, seven, eight. Looks also like eight. eight. Okay. Looks like eight. Okay. Yeah. So USFL, XFL, uh, like I said, the uh, USFL, USFL would kick off at about the same time that the uh, XFL is going into their late last playoff games, last couple okay. playoff games. So that, that's cool. intersect right around there. All right. I've been scrolling past this. Let's stop and talk about this for a second because we, <laughs> I'm one of the few places that actually have been tracking what's been going on with one Willie McGinnis. We missed him when he left uh, Total Access, and we're like, where's Willie? And we saw the video of the attack, and we couldn't believe it because Willie was the was the mature one on the show, the the guy that everybody looked to for sage advice, and here he was gangstering it up like a champ. And apparently now he's facing up to eight years in prison on two felony charges in California. And it's really bad when they have video. <laughs> it's like really, no video really, really. against his word, and you know you got to uh, prove his. Uh, his uh, guiltiness by within a shadow, without a shadow of a doubt, or something like that. But when you got video, oh, really? you, see, you know, you see him just walk up on a guy, and then you see once he like start punching the guy, all the guys that were with him, uh, all of a sudden they jumped in it. So it looked completely premeditated. It you absolutely know? did. It looked completely premeditated, which kind of makes it worse. Right, exactly, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. You know, it just, you know, I'm like, uh, Willie, 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 what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? So I, I, I don't, I still don't know what to say. And the details of what happened, well, we kind of know what happened because we could look at the video, but why it happened who the person was that he attacked and the reason for the attack is still kind of out there in the atmosphere. I, I haven't heard any details on that, but I'm sure it's coming out. Yeah. It reminds me of the, reminds me of the old song. Who is he? And what is he to you? Right, right, <laughs> right, right. We're still trying to figure that out. Yeah. We're still yeah. trying to figure that out. We, we, we're not quite sure about that. All right, we talked uh, Combine. Um, there was an article. General manager for the 49ers said, there may be a need for an additional quarterback. <laughs> now, I'm going to click on the link because I thought it was interesting the list of potential quarterbacks that they put up here. Wait, this is a potential list of free agent quarterbacks that the 49ers might pursue? Are you serious? I wouldn't be serious about none of these guys. They crossed oh, off Lamar yeah. Jackson. Okay. And, and to be quite honest with you, the funny thing about our conversation is this. When I think about 
Garoppolo. I would prefer him over any of these quarterbacks just because of his knowledge of the system. Because he comes in knowing this system and it's almost there's nothing to learn. He, he he's a he's in command already, the command level. I don't think we're going to get C.J. Stroud as a possible rookie quarterback. So you're suggesting that we take a a quarterback uh, in the draft and, and groom him. And I'm not sure who that would be. We're not going to get Stroud. Um, you know, I don't if think. You remember, I said take a quarterback in the second or third round. Right. Well, I don't know who Chris that Stroud is. is a first rounder. I don't know who so that, that would be. So, you know, I could find, I could figure it out for you if you really wanted me to. Well, you know, maybe for next week's show, you know, give me, give me some, some good suggestions. Uh, we know that at the very least, um, Lynch and, and the Niners pulled the rabbit out of the hat with Brock Purdy. So we don't know if they can do that again. Uh, out of this particular group, but I don't know. I haven't had a chance to go that deep down in terms of uh, looking at all the quarterbacks. And and again, you know, you're the college guy more so than I am. So I have not seen tape on pretty much any of these guys. So I would leave that to you. But this is a pretty sorry uh, list of potential quarterbacks. And you don't want none of these dudes, man. Exactly. We agree on that much. We do agree on that much. <laughs> if you put a gun to my head, I'd take Taylor Heineke. Okay, 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 okay. Taylor Heineke, you, you know, like I said, you don't with, – with this particular offense, you could get away maybe with a Taylor Heineke to some degree. Yes, you could. No, I, you I could. I can see that. All right. <laughs> All right, Benny, let's talk a little juicy Philly Eagles news. Did you see this article? Yes. About Sirianni. Yes. Firing a popular and productive defensive backs coach, Denard Wilson, on Saturday. And he says they court mutiny because apparently in snubbing him, there was a lot of support on the team for him. You had a lot of people who were saying that you know, they came here with one capability. By the time he finished with them, he had raised their level of play. And so, you know, had you heard anything about this? I haven't heard anything out other than seeing this article, to be quite honest with you. Well, this, this is the thing. So the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator have moved on to other teams as head coaches. Okay, great. So now the Eagles need a new offensive and defensive coordinator. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, they they promoted the quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator, I believe. So now, in my eyes, if you want to keep everything in-house, you promote – one of your defensive assistant, uh, assistants to defensive coordinator, unless you feel that none of them are capable of handling that job. In which case, you would look outside of the organization to bring somebody else in. Now, I don't think that position has been filled, has it? Uh, yeah, I do believe it has been filled. Um... 
they hired Seattle Seahawks defensive assistant Sean Desai, D-E-S-A-I. So they went outside the organization and brought somebody so They took an assistant from another organization and promoted him to D.C. instead of one of their own assistants. Ah. Uh, <laughs> this this sounds like Deuce Staley all over again, bro. Yeah, yeah. Really and does. then, but to make it worse, what caused the ruckus that caused this DB coach to get fired? Was he mad because he didn't get the job? Yeah, I think they had. Other- a, I think there was a heated exchange in a meeting. And uh, in reference to getting the job or something else, no, it was all about the job. It was about, Ah. you know, about the job. And and like I said, they're they're talking about mutiny from the players. You know, that's I think you got to take that in consideration. If the players love the guy, you got to take that into consideration. You would think, you would think, you know. If if the players love the guy, not only do the players love the guy because they could love the guy because he invites them over to his house every weekend and smokes weed with him, but if they if guys are saying that this guy helped me elevate my game, okay, that's even more consideration to get. Then you got to look at what he did for you during the season, how he coached in meetings, how he handled the DB group. Well, if they if they all say they loved him, then you got to assume that he handled the DB group pretty well. You know, if he helped elevate guys' games, I would say he did his job. The question may be, and I'm speculating here, perhaps his philosophy about defense as a whole may be a bit different from the guy who left. Uh, what's his name? Gannon. And I don't know. Maybe Sirianni liked Gannon's style. I don't know why, because I know a lot of Eagle fans that think Gannon stunk and they're glad he's gone. So, yeah, we, we may never know the real answer to that, but – I mean, they had an opportunity to 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 promote an African American coach who the players loved and who did his part to help the Eagles get to the Super Bowl, and they didn't do it, and they went and got somebody from outside the organization. It looks a little funny. People ask me why I'm not a fan of all Philadelphia teams. Things like this are part of the reason why. Yeah, apparently there was this question about him being able to work with the new offensive coordinator. Apparently he wasn't, uh, him and Gannon didn't get along great, but he worked well with Gannon, even though he didn't get along with him. But uh, after a meeting uh, with Sirianni, Sirianni decided to let him go. And it says in the article they're trying to paint it as an amicable breakup but uh it's kind of anything but so if it happened after a heated argument i would say no 
And a lot of their backs now are free agents. And they're going to let a bunch of them go. Yeah, a lot of them are going to probably want to leave at this particular point. So Gardner Johnson's out of here. That's a big hole at safety. Bradbury leaves. Now you've got to get yourself another corner. I think Gardner Johnson was one of the big proponents uh, for keeping uh, right. the coach also. So, okay. Let's get ready to wrap this up, Benny. We always pump up and make sure, especially on today, which is International Women's Day, one of our favorite female coaches, Lori Locus, has moved on from Tampa Bay, and she's going to be a defensive quality control coach with the Tennessee Titans. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, don't these quality control coaches actually start to get some play at head coach? There have been there have been some head coaches that if you look back uh, on their resumes, you can see quality controls being one of the jobs that they held. Yes. Yeah. Um, we have a special place in her heart, in our hearts for her, because she was a coach with the North Penn Piranha semi-pro team in the Pennsylvania area who had a lot of guys from Philly, your son in particular, and a bunch of guys that I've coached and coached against in our flag football league that played for her uh, or played on the team on which she was an assistant coach uh, back in the days. So uh, congratulations to her. I don't know why she wanted to leave Tampa Bay. I, I would think that's a place she wanted to stay. But if it's a promotion, then what the heck, go for it. Yeah, that's the thing, you know. And Tampa Bay is going through some changes in terms of their, you know, um, coaching staffs and administration and, and things of that right. nature. Right. So, all right. Lori Locust, congratulations. Let's move on to the last couple points here, Benny. Michael Irving. You know, he 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 sued everybody for like a hundred million dollars. Right? As he should have. As he should have. Uh there's nobody has yet to say that he what he did that was so terrible that they would scoop him and eject him out of the hotel. And that he would lose um, his, you know, his job, you know, with the NFL channel. He was supposed to be on the Super Bowl coverages. He was taken yeah. off of that. And, Terrible. you know, I mean, his consequences for having shown nothing of his infraction is just way out of line. You know, he, he would have had to say something like uh, some of the guys uh, that's got corner girls <laughs> or something like that would say, Crazy. you know. Um, and I don't think that he, he did that. But what he did say, he said that it says, Irving, who appeared to tear up briefly at the new conference, complained that he hasn't yet been allowed to see the video. And he compared the allegations and resulting fallouts to Jim Crow era persecution of black men. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say, Benny? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> He's, the that's, race card that's is strong. Injected into the that's conversation. Strong. 
Yeah, that, that's that's strong. But guess what? This smells of a setup to me. You know, a hotel employee. Now, these hotel employees, they see famous people come and go. Especially if it's a really nice hotel, which is where these guys usually stay at all the time. Right. So why is this hotel employee stopping him to have a supposedly harmless conversation which they allege gave gave him an opportunity to say something inappropriate to her. Why is she talking to him in the first place? He didn't call her over. She stopped him. And when he sees the video, he'll be able to even enhance his argument. Okay? As far as it being an amicable encounter. He's already got eyewitnesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the lawsuit is, he's going to get paid big time, I, I think, on this. because Yeah, I, this I looks like a big win for him. Yeah, this 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 looked bad. This looked bad. All right, Benny, I don't really have a whole bunch more. That's about it for me. I do have one quick thing that I want to say. And it's not basketball, but again, our hashtag is football is life. And it's about people. And right. I want to talk about um, one of the guys that I was saying was one of my favorite people to watch in the NBA, John Moran. Right. And I keep thinking, you know, about a picture that one of my uh, Facebook friends posted, uh, which was right outside of the uh, Wissahickon Boys and Girls Club, where my kids actually went. Uh 20 plus years ago, but they went there and there were nothing but all these yellow, little yellow markers on the ground where bullets yes. were. I remember that. And this is what I don't think John Moran gets. You know, we have a really big problem in our urban areas. You know, when, when you know, it's one thing to have, um, you know, racism be impacting life and death relative to police and what's happening with police. They just found in systemic racism in the in the Louisville, Kentucky Police Department. You know, based on the federal attorney general's investigation. But um, what's happening in our inner cities? It's killing the community economically, spiritually. Um, you know, if, if they're shooting up your block, your real estate is not going to be improving in value. The legacy that you could potentially leave your kids is being damaged on an ongoing basis. That's just the property part. The, the loss of life and everything and the heartbreak that all comes along with that. I believe it's all tied to this culture of criminality and thug. You know, everybody wants to be a thug. Everybody wants to be a gangster. You know, we throw that in our conversation almost casually now, you know. Oh, yeah, she was being gangster, wasn't she, you know. But, I mean, what these young people, they just had uh, a, a report. Eight young people in Center City attacked from one, some one lady and beat her up. And, you know, this this mindset 
is a pox on our community. And when you have your, you know, your celebrities out there swinging guns and acting like that, it it only you know tends to encourage you know and, and that that activity that mindset. And we have to discourage that mindset. We have to move away from that mindset. We have to sort of isolate those who refused to move away from that mindset and move them into where they're going to have to be because they can't be running around in the community shooting at each other the way they are. This is absolutely ridiculous. It's it, it's killing our community. And you know, I understand that you know right now that he's he he doesn't have any criminal charges per se. So, okay. You know, but what I do understand is that, you know, the NDA along with the union has said that if you bring a gun onto NBA property or like the plane, they're looking at a 50 game suspension. Right. That's, that's a lot of money. You know, that's a career. And also you've got all the endorsements that are now, you know, so his legacy, he's damaging his legacy for something that's trivial, that really does is not what, what's important. And all of the more mature people in the NBA are basically saying it. They're trying to say it nicely. They're talking about he needs to, you know, um, learn other ways to, quote, de-stress. And I'm like, come on, really? You're going you're gonna to try to call this a stress situation? This, this is a mindset. You know, so I just wanted to put that out there again. Fantastic talent. Love to watch him play. Um, but I really and really do think he's really missing the boat on understanding his impact on the community and that he we need to have people like him trying to move the community away from being gangsters and thugs and, and having a criminal mindset, not encourage them by running around swinging a gun and, and and just acting like, you know, you missed a big shot, you know, in, in uh, you know, one of the gangster movies or something like that. So that's, that's really it. I just wanted to get that off my chest. Well, as far as I'm concerned, first of all, he's in a whole heck of a lot of trouble, not only with the NBA, but also with the police department of the city that it happened. In. Remember where it happened? Was it in Memphis? Uh, wherever it was, I know they said they, they weren't bringing criminal charges. Oh, they've decided that because yeah, I know they, they were looking into they it. They said, that, you know, I don't know if, if he has a license to carry, you know. Okay. Depending right. On, but I remember them saying it, it is a license to carry state, whether or not it was Tennessee or not. I don't remember. Here's the thing. He put it on Instagram. On his own Instagram, he did this. So it's not like he was in the club. And he had a gun and he pulled it out and he was showing it to his boys and somebody videoed him. This is on his Instagram. He had somebody do this for him. This was a complete lapse of judgment. Complete and totally, totally unnecessary as far as I'm concerned. What also bothers me is his father, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to come too hard here because I, I don't know the exact situation here. 
but his father travels, if not with him, he's at every game, home and away. I can't remember a game where his father wasn't sitting courtside. I went to a Sixers game. He was sitting courtside with this bright-ass orange sweatsuit. I've seen him on TV. They point him out, sitting courtside. When they played the Lakers, he almost got in a fight with Shannon Sharp. Right. He's at every game. So if you travel with your son or at least travel to every city where your son is playing, you should have a little bit more input on how he carries himself in public. I'm sorry. You can give me that whole, he's a grown-ass man. I hate that expression. Okay? Like I told you, I coach a, a flag football team. I forget sometimes that these guys we watch on television are the same age as these guys I coach up at Simon's Recreation Center. I'm around them. I hear how they talk. I see how they act. Okay? These guys in the NBA and the NFL are the same exact age of these dudes, somewhere between 20 and 32, most of them, okay? And so, so I get it. His father, if he's going to be around him as much as he is, needs to have a little bit more input. It's just my opinion, okay, on who he hangs with, and how he carries himself in public. That's important. It's important. You're the face, you're damn near the face of the league. You're one of the faces of one of the major leagues in the world. You can't just be wilding out in the club. You don't do that. They didn't, they didn't video, you didn't go on your IG smoking a blunt. You holding a gun, dog, for no reason. <laughs> I, I, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. And he's a star. Remember the guy from the Raiders? Last year, uh, went on his Instagram. He had like an automatic rifle. Uh, He's done. He's done. He's out. He's out of the league. He's gone. But he was he was a bench dude. Can't do this kind of stuff, man. It's crazy. I don't. I. I well, you no doubt he hurt himself. Um, I believe that he's hurting the community. And, and you know, like you said, you know, I understand about the father. I'm I didn't know much about the father in that situation. Uh, is sometimes you know parents are doing everything, and then you you turn around and your kid does something, and you'd be like, you know, oh yeah, I get it. You know, so you just I just don't know how that goes. But long story short, um, I just want to remind people that the impact of the criminal mindset and the criminal behavior in our community is hurting us in legacy ways. 
it's not not just hurting this generation; it's hurting future generations, right? You know? uh, because you know we used to always remark: you could go from North Philly, where they have row home, two story row homes, to Chestnut Hill, where they have the exact same two story row homes, and those row homes in North Philly are worth ten thousand dollars a unit, and those row homes in Chestnut Hill are worth three hundred thousand dollars a unit. It's that simple relative to the difference. And, and the reason is because they are not having all of that in Chestnut Hill. You know, if it happens in Chestnut Hill, it got imported from someplace else because it ain't, you know, the guy next door and it ain't the kids around the corner and all of that, you know, where it is down there. And these guys are simply urban terrorists and they need to be considered as such. And, you know, the community just really needs to let them know that we don't like this, we're not going to take this. And, you know, uh, and so, you know, I just think it's really bad for the community in general. And to have such a big star with such a bright light on them, you know, uh, act like that. It's like, come on. But then again, Willie McGinnis acted like that, you know? <laughs> so it, it could be impacting, it could be impacting more than just the young generation. I, I, I remember when Charles Barkley did the commercial and said, I am not a role model. Okay. But he never did nothing like that. No, no. He, of course, he, the internet wasn't what it is now back then. Right, right, right. But he did, Charles Barkley did throw somebody through a window. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's one thing. These to guys get have biases. You know. There, there's a difference. If you're in a restaurant and some clown comes and throws a drink on you or curses you out and you go at him. That's one thing. But if you're in the club, there is no immediate threat. You're with friends and you're just ah, and you pull a gun out. That's two different things to me. Well, no doubt it is. It, it is. That's why I, you know, the Charles Barkley thing, I understand what you're saying, but you know, I don't think that the Charles Barkley thing uh, what was encouraging gangsterism in the community no. in the way that this does. And and that's, you know, that's my whole point. So, yeah. all right. Any last words? No, I'm good, man. Looking forward to the draft. Uh, don't forget free agency becomes official March 15th. I don't think that's next week. Is it? We got another week to got go. A couple of weeks for that. Yes. A couple of weeks. So there's still going to be. Actually, maybe in. not. No, it's March 7th. Isn't it? I, I'm, I don't think my head's out of February. Today's yet. the 8th. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. So, so we'll have plenty to talk about next week. All right. Good enough. Be good. Have a good one.